0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast brought to you by Louisville Slugger. Check them out at Slugger Nation on Instagram and Twitter. And that hasn't changed, even though they were bought today by Wilson. So that's big news in the baseball sphere. We've got all your big news in the college baseball sphere with myself, John Manuel, along with Jim Schonert and Mike Lanana, joining uh, me here in the podcast nook. You can always tweet at us at Baseball America. You can email us at podcast at BaseballAmerica.com. we got a question in the podcast inbox this, uh, this week. So we'll take all those during the podcast. And guys, uh, we always peg this to our top 25 rankings. And we had some changes in the top 25. N- nothing at the top with LSU still holding strong. The Tigers are 21 and 3. Go on the road. And especially impressive to me that they lost the opener uh, to Louisville I and mean, I mean, to Arkansas and then just kind of stormed back and won the rest of that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some change in the rest of the top 10, but um, we're going to start off talking about the West Coast a little bit, a little kicking it down on the West side with the, with the Pac 12 and uh, just kind of the changes that have gone on in the rankings and in the top of the Pac 12 uh, standings. We're two weeks in in the Pac-12 for most of these teams. And uh, right now you've got Cal uh, sitting at the top of the league along with UCLA. But UCLA's played Utah, and the Utes are generally not a Pac-12 power. Uh, not in baseball, anyway. They're still surviving in the Sweet 16, but not. Uh, they got swept by UCLA in baseball. But, but Cal has not been a baseball power. They've really kind of taken some steps back since their program was virtually eliminated and then restored, and then they went to the College Series all in the same year. Um, clearly they took a hit recruiting-wise, as is natural when you, know, you go tell recruits we're not going to exist anymore, as as happened to Cal. But Dave Esker's gotten that team back going and that program back going, and they're off to a five and one start, guys. And this team's eighteen and five, and two of those losses were opening weekend at home to Duke, which was kind of a a surprising series loss for for Cal. We brought the Bears back in the rankings at twenty-one, and uh, Jim and Mike, uh, well, you could start with Jim, but. Uh, what prompted us to bring uh, the Bears back in the rankings uh, this weekend? It's been a pretty great start for them.
2: Well, I you said, I mean they haven't lost a series since that uh, series against Duke, and you know they obviously they beat Oregon last weekend, which was impressive, and now um, so they kind of they just kept building. I mean they've you look at what they've they've been pretty steady all we all see all uh, season, I should say, and they've you know so they've been able to uh, you know keep building this momentum, and obviously the uh, you know the sweeping U uh, Dub uh, this weekend isn't the you know the you know the cream of the crop there, but still, it's a solid series win. And uh, and like it's like, you said, like we've been saying, they've got we like their talent. I know that, uh, you know, Chris Ur- Urseg is that how you say? It? I think it is I uh, Lucas Urseg, Ur- Ur- great Ur-Sag. name. Lucas Urseg, gets the uh, game-winning home runs on uh, Friday and Saturday, and then they kind of came alive. Their whole offense kind of came alive on Sunday, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's we like their young talent and they've been uh so they've been very consistent all season.
1: Yeah, Urseg er- has been outstanding. 6 home runs. This team has 23 home runs, Mike, uh, yeah. offensively. And then the the thing that really kind of is going to be the the key for them, I think, is who's going to be their third starter because uh right now they they've been leaning a lot on on Dalton Jeffries and uh and, you know, he got some sunny gray comparisons. I'm not even sure that he pitched this weekend. Got to double check my box scores, but they their pitching depth has been the question and yet this weekend they pitched really well against uh against Washington. Uh do you do you see some
0: signs that, that Cal's is this they got some staying power after this eighteen and five start you think? I think they do. I think they do. I mean I I think I think beating Oregon last weekend was, was was good for them, and like you said, they do have a lot of power in that lineup. I love that they have a they have a Chris Paul in their lineup. I don't yes. know if he's a, a State Farm agent or not, but <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's just behind Ursag with five home runs. He's had some pop there, and Brett Cumberland has four. And you Andrew know, Knapp. Yeah, they've got they've yeah. got depth of power in their lineup, not just
1: Lucas Erceg. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that this team does have some depth of that in, in the both in their. In their lineup, and it's really I think a matter of can they develop uh, bullpen depth. Just with the scout I was texting er- with earlier this year, uh, those are the two guys that he really pointed out to me as Jeffries and ursic like as potential stars on this roster. And uh, you know, the other thing that kind of comes up is that it's hard to predict who the guys are going to be coming out of high school into and are going to star in college. We have a decent idea about it, but I don't think people thought Dalton Jeffries was going to go. Be this front line guy, or that Lucas Ersek was going to be able to do it both ways, but especially be a three hole hitter as a sophomore, just like we talked about with Alex Lang at LSU. Like, do we know Alex Lang would step into the LSU rotation? We saw they were enthused about it, but did you really think that he'd go in there and step in from day one and be one of the best pitchers in the SEC? I don't. I just don't think that's easy to, to forecast, and uh, we definitely tried to forecast. I don't think we knew that. I think it's similar with USC, guys. I think we knew that USC, we had them in the field of 64 coming into the year. They've had good recruiting classes coming the last couple of seasons. So we knew that Dan Hubbs was building this team and this program back up. But, guys, I don't think we saw them being number eight. And, and they've, they haven't played the level of competition that they started off uh, when we jumped them into the rankings in the, uh, in the Dodger Town Classic. But, guys, they just keep on winning and remain number eight in our rankings. USC 8, UCLA 9. Those two teams really haven't done anything to, to kind of change our minds. But the Trojans have shown some staying power, I guess, Mike, uh, when you, from when you saw them in Los Angeles and they've kept performing at a fairly high level.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was really impressed when I saw them out in the Daughtertown Classic and um, I was talking with a scout earlier who's been impressed by what he's seen out of them. He, he really likes Garrett Stubbs, uh, a very athletic catcher that they have, a, a guy who's really hard to to compare to anyone. He has 15 stolen bases this year. He's, he's batting 430. He's, he's hitting in the top of the order, and he, he's been a force for them. And They've had some experienced guys like Dante Flores, a guy who's always had potential but hasn't lived up to it, a guy like Timmy Robinson in the middle of the order. Both of those guys have been swinging the bat well. And then you have some, some contributions in the pitching staff. You have Mitch Hart, um, right. their Sunday starter, who's been very good for them. He had, uh, uh, last weekend, th- through five no-hit innings. Um, and uh, Brent wheelie has been great at the top of the rotation. Kyle, Kyle Toomey looks like he's getting back on track. So it's a team that has depth, and, right. and I think it, it is a team that does have staying power just because of, of the balance it has between veteran players and, and some youth as well. And a, a lot of athleticism in that lineup.
1: So that that always gives you a little uh, just wiggle room. You can make mistakes when athleticism gives you the opportunity to make up for it. You know, you can break wrong on a on a ball in the outfield if you've got the speed to overcome it. Those kind of things. Uh, it just feels like you, you that, that USC has that, and that's just something that they didn't have before under Chad Kruder and have been lacking. And uh, it's amazing to me that that the uh, that UCLA is and USC are neck or back to back in our rankings, Jim. Just because I just see these programs as uh, opposites and they obviously have this link together with uh, you know, John Savage was an assistant coach at USC the last time they won a national championship in 1998 and has obviously won a national championship as head coach at UCLA but these programs really haven't been good at the same time mm-hmm. in a long time. Really uh, since UCLA was really good in the late 90s with their 97 uh, you know, team that went to Omaha and uh, they had some pro talent, the Garrett Atkinses and Chad uh, Chase Utleys of the world but in terms of the program being good, it seems like as soon as USC got bad, UCLA got good. I don't think those two things are... Inter- I think those are related. I think UCLA, I say, yeah. you know, got good at the expense of the Trojans. Uh, if you had to pick one, I mean, you, right now, UCLA has the better conference record in the Pac-12. Going forward, do you, which of these teams do you like better? I mean, you just did uh, you just did the Field of 64 projection
2: last weekend. I
1: think you had UCLA as a top eight national we seed did, and not yeah. USC, right?
2: Mm, yeah, it's. I mean, I liked. I uh, you know, certainly would like. I like both of their chances to, um, or to, they both have a chance to get into that top eight. It's not, uh, it's, it's not a done deal by any means for for either side, and obviously they still have to play each other again, and uh, they'll have a regular series. But um, yeah, I mean, the Bruins. I kind of gave the Bruins a bit the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they've they're the team that's been there and done it before. Um, you know, and this is all kind of new for the for the Trojans, right. rel- relative for the players anyway. But uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean. Obviously, UCLA's offense kind of caught fire again this weekend. We saw that they kind of tailed off when they started facing, um, you know, good arms in the uh, the Dodger Town and then the, uh, you know, the last couple weeks. But um, you know, yeah, so they're they... not just playing
1: Hofstra anymore. Yeah, not <laughs> playing Hofstra,
2: but uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the Trojans. I do really, we really like the Trojans' upside. Definitely see them. Uh, they seem like a, like they're very deep, talented. They could definitely end up in that top eight. We'll see. Uh, and I mean. If they don't, yeah, Jim, the, it,
1: really, it feels like their schedule is what's going to hold them back. Taut, yeah, they're yeah they're Tasson, early. Oakland, Florida. Yeah, that's
2: going to that's going that's not going to help them. Um, I mean, you're you a Pac-12 team. They'll have plenty of chances to get uh, quality wins. I don't, it's not going to it won't hurt it won't help them certainly, but it's not going to that alone won't uh, kill them.
1: I feel we'll really but, um, find out a little bit more about them the next two weekends. Uh, you know, this is the first of three weekends in a row on the road for them, and they pass one road test at Cal Poly, uh, but certainly the Mustangs are just not. The team that we kind of thought they would be coming mm. into the year, um, whether it's injuries or whatever, they just haven't caught that that spark yet. Even with Mark Mathias back in the lineup, yeah, uh, I think
2: one one of the other things we've talked about with the the Big West being kind of down is yeah. that um, you know there aren't going to be that the race mm-hmm. for hosting and stuff on the West Coast is going to be
1: a Pac twelve. You know, it's going to be Pac
2: twelve centric. Yeah. I mean, and you know Oregon's kind of dropped off the last couple of weeks, and so now you're really looking at uh, the two. Uh, SoCal teams and Arizona State is the real kind of getting the jump on everybody for that. So, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, they could definitely both end up there. Probably a strong chance to both end up hosting. I mean, they could both end up getting national seeds. I mean, it's obviously not uh, not impossible.
1: Yeah, you definitely, and the attendance at Dodgertown is a good sign for if both teams were strong enough to be in the hosting discussion. You wouldn't normally think that they'd both host just because of the geography, Jim, but I do think the attendance was strong mm-hmm. enough at Dodgertown to make that more of a possibility. And then you've got Cal kind of that doesn't have lights at Evans Diamond, Mm -hmm. and uh, the ballpark was part of the reason why they were talking about dropping the program uh, in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then you have Oregon and Oregon State. Uh, We still have Oregon ranked. Mm -hmm. We don't have the Beavers ranked yet. They certainly are making their case. Mm -hmm. Uh, They keep on getting better, guys. And and Oregon State, I mean, I guess, Jim, you talked to Pat Casey. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this team, you just have to feel the arrows pointing up when they're this young. Uh, as young as they are, and they keep on, uh, there's there's evidence they keep getting better. They've got the uh, Bruins in a couple weeks coming up, and that's going to be a a home series for Oregon State, so that's kind of a chance that Oregon State has to, to make a statement. That'll be their Pac-12 mm-hmm. uh, rejoin after uh, beating Wazoo and, and then losing the series at Arizona State last week. Mm-hmm. It feels like, like Oregon State's probably the team that might be that they might have the best resume, guys, of a team that's not in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I, mean, um, I think they probably do, actually.
0: Yeah,
2: probably. I think it was just a matter of um, we only had two spots open up this week, and they were just kind of kind of had some teams ahead of them in the pecking order. But um, yeah, I mean, it's they have to actually they have to uh, go to UCLA next week. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I and mean, that was one of the things Pat Casey talked about. Is their schedule is very. Uh, I think they get all the best teams on the road, with the exception of uh, they host USC. Other than that, they have to. So they went to Arizona State, they have to go to UCLA Oregon. Um, and Oregon, they have to go to Stanford also. They do, they do get Cal at home, but uh, for the most part, I mean, they got a lot of tough road series, and obviously there's uh, those next two, they get Cal Poly at home this week, but then they're at UCLA and at Oregon. So we'll see. I mean, obviously they got a lot of young talent, a lot of kind of unknowns coming into the year, other than uh, have Andrew Moore back, but other than that, it's kind of a lot of uh, new faces they've kind of had to piece it together, but um, obviously, I mean, KJ Harrison's just been unbelievable. I think he's up to what seven home runs now as a freshman. Right, freshman catcher. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if he, you know, hits a wall at some point. It's possible. You know, he's doing all this catching, so it's possible. But uh, obviously, so he's been outstanding. And you know, Jeff Hendricks has been really good. Um, and uh, we touched on more. But uh, and then Drew Mar- Drew Rasmussen throws the perfect game. Right over the weekend. He's a guy who was not in their rotation to the start of the year. They kind of had him in the bullpen. Then they kind of. You know they had somebody get hurt, so they kind of had to try some other guys, try some guys out, and eventually they settled on Rasmussen, and he's just been outstanding. He throws, you know, this guy's got a power arm, you know, power slider, and he's just been, uh, you know, so he goes out and dominates the other day, and he's, I mean, he's been he's been really good all uh, all year.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the guy who was their projected closer coming into the year, Mike, and now here's five weeks in, he's throwing a a perfect game. It's uh, kind of impressive to to see a, a freshman like that, uh, played such a prominent role, but they kind of expected that. I'm, I'm transitioning, I'm segueing on the freshman tip here. You were you were in Charlottesville this weekend. We're going to move across the country to the ACC. Mm-hmm. That's another team in Virginia that uh, expected to use a lot of freshmen this year. I don't think they expected to rely on them as heavily as they've had to. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was as high as number three in the rankings. What were they, number four in our preseason rankings? Yeah, they are number four and uh, loses a series at home this weekend to Florida State and hasn't played a ton of home games. Uh, I think they've lost three of the four home games they played, maybe three of the five home games they've played now. Got swept last weekend at Virginia Tech. Virginia's lost two series in ACC play. I don't, I don't know how often they lose back-to-back series in ACC play in the Brian O'Connor year. It's rare.
0: I, I think it, it's the first time since 2008. Wow, that's a long time.
1: I mean, that's a six, this is all, the seventh seasons since then, so yeah. pretty impressive track record of their consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is this freshman-laden team? It feels like they've kind of, um, to use a uh, sports cliche, they've been punched in the mouth a little bit, and they haven't quite responded to it yet.
0: <laughs> well, the, the thing about Virginia right now is i think the best way to describe them is they're out of sync um i i think obviously early on in this season that the pitching was ahead of the offense um they have a lot of pitching depth obviously you look at kirby brandon waddell and connor jones in the weekend rotation and spores in the bullpen you, you know you're gonna expect them to be a good pitching team they just didn't have the offense with the, the little young lineup starting five freshmen at times this weekend they finally got some offense <laughs> yeah. and uh that just didn't have the pitching, and they really did not have the pitching. I I did the math, and I had to double and triple check it because I just couldn't believe it, but they walked 34 batters this weekend. No way. 34 batters. Oy. Uh, in games started by Nathan Kirby, Connor Jones, and Brandon, Brandon Wondell. Kirby had four. No, none
1: of them freshmen. Yeah.
0: Kirby had four walks. Jones had six walks. Waddell had five walks, and he hit three guys, too. He didn't have out of the three of them he had the worst command on the three days kirby was able to at least put together a quality start uh the, the other two uh hit hit some bumps along the way but it was just uh it was a walkathon. a lot of people called it a walkathon, and it really was you know it was very uncharacteristic for for virginia and it was very characteristic for florida state because they lead the, the country in walk and walks and that's something they've led the country in before and uh that's what they do that's yeah. how they that's how they that's how they go and it looks like there
1: were great crowds i mean what was the, what was the end of the game like saturday night when it was 12-10 and you're 4 hours in were all 4000 people still there or did they start to trickle
0: out uh some some people trickled out but there's still a good number of people there definitely more than there were sunday when it yes. was 13-1 uh,
1: after another five inning uh, five run seventh inning for florida state which seemed like that was their rule of thumb this weekend just uh it's impressive to see Florida State just have that consistent approach. Mm-hmm. And then when people are on base, D.J. Stewart can drive them in with, with anybody. Yes. I mean, you've seen a decent amount of good teams this year. You saw all the Dodger Town teams. You've seen some teams around here. You saw a lot of offense this week with the Davidson-North <laughs> Carolina game you were at as well.
0: Quite a bit, yeah.
1: Uh, how much did D.J. Stewart stand out among the crowd? Was that the best weekend you've seen a guy have all year?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i actually going to be writing a little bit about, about D.J. Um up soon for three strikes. Uh, it, it was an impressive weekend. The the thing about DJ is he's getting nothing to hit. You can you can watch, you know, you watch Virginia pitchers. Every count it's three zero. Breaking <laughs> balls way outside. He's he's getting absolutely nothing to hit.
1: It was impressive that you showed the uh, the vine you had of Kirby striking him out. It was like no duh, he's going to swing at a fastball. Because He was like oh my god, a fastball. Right. I must swing. So it was good pitching by Nathan Kirby, that you show him that fastball out of the zone, you try to get him to chase, and it it did in that instance. Right. But it seems like uh, there were other
0: opportunities for him in the weekend that uh, weren't delivered by Nathan Kirby. Right. Yeah, well, he hit three home runs (laughs) between Saturday and Sunday, so when he did get pitches to hit, he hit them. And... One thing that was interesting, and, and, I, and I got a vine of this, too, because I get vines of everything. Um, <laughs> except his grand slam. His, no, I got, I got his grand slam. There was another grand slam that oh, I missed, okay. Okay. Um, but I did get his grand slam. But two pitches before the grand slam, uh, there was a fastball he got right down the middle that he swung out of his shoes and completely missed it. <laughs> he swung by it, and I talked to him after the game about it. And he's like, yeah, I was just trying to hit the ball 500 feet. <laughs> and and he's like, you know, it's just one of the things I've been working on is making adjustments, you know, in between at-bats, during games, in between pitches. So he made an adjustment, and uh, two pitches later, he goes opposite field, hits a grand slam, waits on the ball, and, and takes it over the left field, uh, left field wall. And... Uh, you know, he, he really impressed me this weekend. There's no question. There's, uh,
1: not, there's not a lot of guys in this year's draft class who are stepping forward. You know, all the work yeah. I did last weekend was on high school pitchers getting hurt. <laughs> you know, uh, Brady Aiken, Colby Allard. It's getting tiresome to write about top draft guys who keep falling. I mean, the only college guy who's really jumped up the draft board that I can tell is Dylan Tate. I'm not saying other guys aren't going to go high. You know, a lot of the college shortstops, it's a great college class. Mm-hmm. We could wax the rest of the the rest of the day about Kyle Holder if I wanted to, <laughs> but I choose not to. Um, but that's my choice, my like free will being exercised. But DJ Stewart says like he's one of the guys. Yeah, I don't know where you necessarily play him because he doesn't look like a big league left fielder. Yeah, but the guy's going to hit, and uh, he has track record for hitting. And that summer with Team USA last year, I thought it was really going to kind of knock him back a little bit in the draft. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I've always also been one of these guys who. I think teams get a little overheated about the Cape Cod League. I want to see the larger sample size. I feel like the Cape or Team USA are always too small of a sample for people to get overheated about. And you know, I think that we're seeing – I think you'll learn more about D.J. Stewart with what you're talking about. From pitch to pitch and a bat to at bat, he's been game-planned. Virginia's coaches have seen him for three years. They've got tons of video on him if they need it. And that's a coaching staff that knows how to coach pitching. They've been in the top 10 in ERA, top 20 in ERA for 11 years Mm -hmm. at Virginia. So if they can't pitch to him, that just tells you how hard it is to pitch to this guy. And uh, I I was very impressed that as much as Virginia usually doesn't let the other team's best guy beat them, he beat them back-to-back games. And that just tells you, I think, a lot about D.J. Stewart. It does tell you a little bit about where Virginia stands right now. They're not executing the way they want to. But I, I was very impressed that DJ Stewart just kind of took him behind the woodshed himself
0: uh, this weekend. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal. Um, and one thing I'll say about him too, I mean, obviously he's is a big guy, you know, six foot is what he's listed at yeah. on their roster, but he does run well for for his size. He was a good
1: running back in high school. I forget the high school in the Jacksonville area, but I just remember Mike Bell when they were recruiting him and they had him sign as a high school senior. Mm-hmm. That was. The, big, the most important recruit for them was getting DJ Stewart to school. They lost some good talent in that recruiting class, if memory serves. But uh, they were very keen on getting DJ Stewart to class uh, because of his combination of physicality and some athleticism. So he may not be the twitchiest guy in the world, but I think that he's got some deceptive athleticism. And you know, Florida State's uh, had players like that before. Buster Posey, is, he's not, but this guy's not Buster Posey. But that was always the knock on Buster Posey was the athleticism. Um, and the fact that you also mentioned opposite field, that's always always, uh, always been a knock on Florida State players. The short porch and right field. A lot of their players get penalized by pro scouts for their power numbers for doing it at that ballpark. And uh, the fact that he showed he could hit with power to all fields at a big pitcher's park like Davenport Field, that's uh, a, it's a, it's a, it's a big sign for, for Florida State and for D.J. Stewart. Mm-hmm. We moved the Seminoles into our top ten this week at number ten. They're just ahead of Arizona State, I didn't. I, I, I navigated away from the Pac-12 prematurely, guys. We do have Arizona State at 11, and one thing I wanted to throw out, Jim, as you as you were doing your field of 64, uh, one of the things I was looking at was strength of schedule, mm-hmm. and Arizona State' strength of schedule is very much in contrast to USC's. Uh, not knocking the Trojans necessarily, but. Uh, Arizona State has all those Big 12 games we talked about. The, mm-hmm. you know, they, they won three out of four against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State when they played them. They lost a series to TCU, but they did play uh, in a team that's our number five team in our rankings, and there's TCU coming off its first loss to Oklahoma State in league play. Uh, they've got that series win against Long Beach State. They've got a series win against Oregon State. They beat Oregon this weekend. It just feels like Arizona State's been very consistent. They aren't. I don't feel like they're talented enough to just dominate some of these other teams and impose their will and get a sweep. But they're, it feels like that's a team that's good enough to beat anybody,
2: yeah that was kind of one of the when i was spoken speaking with Tracy Smith before the season they kind of you know the team's kind of they have a lot of guys back it's pretty much the whole same team they had last year i mean lilac and Kellogg in the rotation and then you know, woodmancy and all these guys in the uh, in the lineup so it's a lot of the it's a lot of the same cast, but it's so it's kind of not kind of what's it's a good team but they're not really as um athletic as he as he wants them to be when uh, You know, two three years from now, but I mean, it's it's an experienced team. They can all they can all hit. Also, they got those two guys at the in the rotation. Seth Martinez has kind of moved to the front of the rotation, and um, I mean, it's they're a well rounded team. Wood Mancy's really had a breakout uh, season so far. He's a you know a physical guy that you know it's kind of probably going to shoot up uh, some boards for next year possibly. But um, I mean, it's just look at what they've done. I mean, we talked about um, obviously beating Oklahoma State and Oklahoma very competitive with TCU. Take two out of three from Long Beach, you who's know, that's not bad and obviously now back to back series wins against the Oregon teams. I mean, they've they really have had no let up in the schedule. I mean, right. if they're the worst other than losing one game to uh Cal State Bakersfield, they really have not had any kind in you know, really any kind of letdown. I mean they played Purdue one game, but I mean now they really have not uh, given themselves any breaks. So they kinda they'll get one in a couple weeks, they get to play Utah, but uh, other than yeah. that, I mean it's yeah, their next it's,
1: seven games are against teams with losing records. I mean, Stanford is Stanford, mm-hmm. but they also don't have Cal Quantrill right now, and they are yeah. nine and eleven. So it's a little bit of a softer part of their schedule. Um, even though they do have, to, they'll eventually have to go on the road to Cal. They're going to have to mm-hmm. go on the road to UW. They're going to finish on the road to USC. But it feels like Arizona State, with its strong schedule, the fact mm-hmm. that they've weathered that strong schedule, I just feel like this is a team that is poised to be uh, not just a regional host. They're going to be in that top eight national Definitely. seed conversation. Just because of the strength of schedule. Those those top three
2: teams in the Pac-12 are going to be elbowing each other the whole second half for that.
1: I do like the depth of the uh, Pac-12 decently as a league. I feel like there are a couple teams that are a little bit better than we thought. Mm -hmm. The the SEC, we talked about coming into the podcast, guys, very top-heavy league. We talked about it last week how five of our top six teams were uh, SEC teams. We're down to four of those this week with uh, LSU, Vandy, A&M, and Florida. But our top four teams... All from the Southeastern Conference, mm-hmm. with uh, South Carolina drop, don, dropping down to twelve. I guess, uh, Mike, uh, what what stood out to you in the SEC weekend this weekend? I guess mm-hmm. to me, I'll, I'll say just text A and right. I know they lost a game, but What's I mean they're, they're they're exactly <laughs> you're allowed to win. You're allowed to lose one. Uh, yeah. Just keep on keeping on. That that impresses me the most. And then I already mentioned LSU. Just. Uh, They really had the bats working in the games that I saw against Arkansas, and and Arkansas usually pitches pretty well, and those were decent arms out there on the mound for Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I was very impressed with the way LSU swung the bat this weekend. What stood
0: out to you in the SEC this weekend? Right, well, I mean, both of those teams, both LSU and Texas A&M, obviously, very good teams, there's no question. Alex Lane was was great yet again. You know, it's looking more and more like he is a dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been, a dude. He's been pitching like a dude. Um, you know, if he looks like a dude, pitches like a dude, I think he is a dude. I think it's a dude. We can so, call him a dude. He's a dude. Um, you know, Texas A&M, obviously, they lost for the first time. But Grayson Long was was great again for them. And, you know, they've been able to, to pitch despite... Losing Stubblefield, despite you know not having AJ Minter, which is which is great for them. And I mean, the the thing that was most surprising to me, though, the thing that stood out most to me was South Carolina, the, right. the weekend that they had, and uh, losing two out of three to Missouri. And I mean, Missouri's played well this year, um, but I don't know. You look at South Carolina's schedule, and they haven't really challenged themselves all that much, which they they don't usually do in the in the early going. But right. It's just at some point they're gonna have to, to beat somebody, you know. They're gonna have to, you know, show something. It's I'm with
1: you. I'm a little bit surprised, Jim, that South Carolina uh, they really haven't. I'm not sure what the identity of this team is yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they've pitched quite well in league play, and they have the 2.47 ERA. But you know, this weekend uh, lost a couple of close games, and offensively, this team's hitting. You know, they're below average in, in in the SEC. They're one of the bottom half teams. In the league and runs scored and batting average and it's just a uh, not a team with a lot of power and they I don't feel like it's a team that really has a ton of speed yet either at least not speed that's played. Uh, just a, I'm not sure what you know. I think we knew the last three years kind of this this team's offense was kind of revolve around that junior class that uh, from last year the the Gar- Grayson Grinders and Joy Pancakes and Tanner Englishes and I'm not sure someone has stepped forward to kind of make this team their own for South Carolina. It, I feel like the identity of the team, at least in the lineup, I feel like the identity of the team is really on, on the pitching staff with Will Crow and Jack Weinkoop.
2: Yeah, I think they're kind of, still kind of waiting in for, um, for, you know, Max Strzok hasn't gotten going yet. I mean, he's hitting 247. You expect a lot more out of him. Uh, DC Arendis is another guy they like to come into the year. He's kind of struggled. And mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Ducino obviously has been, he's lived up to it. He's already got four home runs hitting around right. 300. Kyle Martin's been outstanding. Uh, you know, L.A. Caldwell. He's leading him in hitting. He's over 400. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's after that, it, it falls off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they have not been getting the kind of production you, you thought they might with the guys they had uh, coming back. But um, in the the rotation, you know, Wine is, you know, he's a he's a good college pitcher. I mean, he's been uh, pretty right. he's been pretty steady. Uh, Will Crow, we we well, we've, we've talked about him a few times. We like him a lot. That's uh, a you know great arm. Kind of expected him to move up to that Friday roll, and he's really taken it. But uh yeah i mean with missouri i mean I, I spoke to uh Tim jameson just just now uh, working on something for three strikes, and you know, from their perspective i mean they've you know they haven't exactly played the world's toughest schedule, but um I've seen that they did. They get they did get swept at home by Wisconsin Milwaukee, which kind of uh, digs yeah. them a bit. <laughs> but uh,
1: tough though, it's really hard to yeah. know, uh, you know what what kind of team Missouri
2: is. Missouri. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know,
1: I, I I always appreciate that that reference. I, I, I prefer to call them Missouri, but to me, that's uh, what you call them, Mizzou. I, that's what <laughs> they want. I'm not on the na- I'm not on the branding. I'm just not on the branding, as I, I think everybody knows. Not my, not my shtick. We get a lot of complaints about that on the top 25. We're going to call them Central Florida on first reference, because not everybody knows who Central, who UCF is. And I suppose the LSU, we should probably hear the LSU. They're closer to UCLA. Mm-hmm. It's a national, big-time program. Mm-hmm. UCF, I just mean the sports, uh, the whole thing, not just the the baseball. So I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on. On UCF, but I just don't think anybody knows who that is (laughs) nationally. LSU's brand is a bit stronger. UCLA is the only team that we do that for. But Mizzou, Mm -hmm. they're Missouri. I'm I'm sorry, I can't call them Mizzou. Uh, But they they swept the series at Georgia last Mm -hmm. weekend. I guess we'll really find out more when they have this Big 12 uh, rivalry with Texas A&M coming up. Um, but I, you know, Jim, it's, it's hard a, to rank a team that's been swept at home by Milwaukee.
2: It is. It's the same. There's the uh, the San Diego the USD problem with right. losing to Moorhead State. But um, right, yeah, I mean, Missouri, I mean, they've got I think they've got a whole new rotation. And um, you know, they've got a few new guys in the lineup. And Tim Jameson just you just talked about how it's you know, they've just got a lot more confidence this year. They've I think they've won five or six one run games. And they win a couple of those over the weekend. Where, I think on Saturday they um, they come from behind in the the bottom of the tenth to win that game. They you know, get a walk off hit against uh, against uh Taylor Widener, I believe. And I mean, that's they they definitely have a they're definitely building some confidence there. I mean, they're five and one in, in the conference. They swept sweep a road series at Georgia. So I mean, they're they've definitely kind of I don't know if we could say they've turned a corner, but they're definitely not a uh, they're not the bottom fear that they were last year. They're definitely going to. You know, you're not when you see them on your schedule. You can't just say, "Okay, we're going to sweep that series." I mean, it's, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to bring your A game to if you're going to win that series. I mean, it's it's there are no. It's like we've talked about. I mean, there are no there are no breaks in the SEC. Missouri might have been that one break last year, but now that's, right. now even that uh, little loophole is closed.
1: I think that's it. Um, and I think the other thing for uh, South Carolina, just getting back to them, is you know, this is a team that is really built right now for low scoring games. I've had the stat, uh, the great Andrew Kiddick their Sports Information uh, guy for baseball. Uh, this team's 18-2 and and allowing five runs or less. I, mean, I think most teams are going to do pretty well that way, the good teams. But, I mean, they aren't winning games where they don't uh, – they aren't winning any slugfests. And this weekend – it was low-scoring games against Mizzou mm. that they weren't able to win, so I kind of look at be on Collin Mizzou. <laughs> been sucked in. Thanks a lot, Jim. Nah. But uh, just not we're, not. we're past the first
2: reference. I mean, that's,
1: okay. I, that, there you it's, go. I'm, but I'm not impressed by South Carolina. I guess is what I'm saying. I mean,
2: here. their I mean their best series win was College of Charleston, probably them. I mean, that or Kentucky, and neither of those are regional teams right now. I mean, they've lost. They I mean. They still have that loss to Clemson on their uh, their permanent record, and that's right. Now they uh, now they get this one. I mean, it's it's not uh,
0: not a overwhelming resume at all. And even Alex Tessino, who's who's led the offense, he's he's been slumping a little bit lately. And I know he was dealing with a little bit of a thumb issue too.
1: Right. but He's uh, one for seventeen in league games. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's
0: what uh, yeah, that's what the league is about. That's
1: that that's why it, you know if you want to go play in the southern in the southeastern conference, mm-hmm. and you consider it the best conference mm-hmm. in the country, which I think. Everyone who's not a Pac-12 fan has to probably has to acknowledge. Um, Then you're going to have to get it done in league play, and like you know, like Ole Miss. We talked about how top-heavy this league is, and what's the best non-unranked SEC team? And I would say I would give the nod to Ole Miss. We had them ranked one week. Uh, we've had Ole Mississippi State ranked previously. but They've lost their last three weekend series. Yeah, they haven't.
2: It's the, Mississippi State hasn't actually won a regular series yet. That's, That's amazing.
1: amazing. All conference turn all they've tournaments. All, yeah, all those tournaments. That's yeah, it. Now
2: they've lost three straight series.
1: Um, but uh, but but to me, I'm looking at a team like uh, Ole Miss, and Sykes Orvis is a senior, and he was in Omaha last year, and he's got some physicality, and he got out of the blocks a little bit slow. But the last two weekends, he's played well for Ole Miss, and he's hitting in league play. And mm-hmm. That's really kind of what's going to tell the tale for these teams. Again, Kyle Martin is hitting in league play for, the, for South Carolina. So you kind of expect your, your veteran players, Caldwell's a senior we already mentioned. Uh, so you kind of expect that, you're, that you, you hope as a coach that your veterans are going to be the teams, the guys who kind of lead you uh, offensively. Uh, that's been the case for some of these clubs, but right now for South Carolina, they really kind of need some of those younger Maybe guys can, to grow yeah. up a little bit uh, in league play, and uh, it showed a little bit this weekend. Uh, who uh, is there another team in the SEC that we haven't talked about? Ole Miss we just talked about as an unranked team. I think Mike, you like you like Auburn a little bit, or they've shown you some signs in Alabama. Those are the other two yeah. teams I feel like in the SEC that aren't ranked that have kind of shown us something so far this year.
0: Yeah, and Auburn was uh, Auburn was a team that I liked preseason didn't necessarily think that they were a top 25 team but saw them in the 25 to 30 range I mean when you have Keegan Thompson I mean he's he's an asset uh for them and it's a team that's that's played a a decent schedule so far I mean they they won a game against Vanderbilt this weekend which I think is an accomplishment in itself with how talented Vanderbilt is and you know I think they're a team right on the cusp and Alabama was another group that we we considered possibly putting into the mix as well um but, uh, you know, and I do like Ole Miss, too, um, right. like you are saying. I mean, I think, you know, Sykes Orvis is, like you said, he's been heating up. And, you know, he has that plus mustache of, of his, <laughs> which, you know, really takes things to another level. You've got to
1: be old enough to grow one of those. Yeah. And then there's a little extra testosterone. And that was my favorite part of the preseason uh, photo shoot was that Thomas Eshelman could not grow a mustache. Yeah. He had two weeks' notice to grow a mustache and... <laughs> it just couldn't happen for them. Uh, these were not problems that the uh, Fullerton players had 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the SEC, I guess a couple other things on the weekend that jump out to me, guys. Uh, Florida's only 3-3 three and three in the league. Uh, we dropped the Gators down to four this week. You know, no, there's no shame in losing a series at, at, at Ole Miss, but I was curious if either of you guys had any concerns about them. And then Tennessee, swept by Georgia at home. Uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee and Arkansas are the 500 or below teams in the league, and... Tennessee is the team that has become the bottom feeding school, yeah, and Missouri page. has kind of. We'll see if Missouri can keep leaving them behind, but winning a series at home against South Carolina is a good start. Um, so I'm pretty concerned about Tennessee, guys. I don't, I don't know if, what your take was there on, on the Gators, Jim.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the Gators will be fine. I was kind of seeing a uh, Shore and Puck get knocked around two days in a row. Is kind of. If uh, Shore's been knocked yeah, around a couple yeah, weekends, two in a weeks row, in a row. Yeah, I mean, he's given up. I think what four home runs the the week before and now another one uh, uh, to Ole Miss. But I mean, you know, I think we'll you know, we have enough faith in the Gators that they'll figure it out. I mean, they still I mean they did win that series against Miami, so they've proven they can beat quality teams. They beat Florida State on uh, what was it Tuesday, even though yep. that was a, a pretty. uh Johnny an ugly game. Both teams. Yeah, not a not a not one for the time capsule. And another yeah.
1: four plus hour game. That yes. game, but Florida State played some lengthy games this week. That was not uh, not for the faint of heart. If you're watching Florida State.
0: Yeah, well, mm. they
1: grinded it out. When you they walk that pitches. often, that's the thing that I've always said. Uh, Moneyball may be an effective uh, drawn walks, three run homers. That may be effective. Mm. It's not exactly exciting. Drawn mm. walks, worst thing to watch in baseball. There's nothing. Mm. Less fun than drawing a walk. It, I'm it's, sorry.
0: it's like the equivalent to Virginia or Wisconsin basketball. I feel like in some ways.
1: I'm not on Virginia basketball. Tough weekend <laughs> for Virginia. Tough yeah, weekend was, for Virginia
0: athletically. It was tough. There's no question.
1: But but Florida, you know, they haven't. Uh, you know, this is really their first time uh, on the road. The first time out of the state of Florida this weekend at Ole Miss. They got to go to Missouri in two weeks. They've got Alabama this weekend. But uh, I'll be interested to see how Florida. Until they win something on the road outside the state of Florida, they have to, mm-hmm. kind of have to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how, especially uh, early April at Missouri and Columbia, it could be cold. So we'll see. We saw Miami struggle in the cold. Uh, we saw some crazy snow pictures from Boston College oh. this weekend. Yeah. NC State and BC got in two games, and the third game canceled by predicted single-digit temperatures. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to say hashtag push it back because I don't believe that, but. Just not a good weekend uh, to try to play baseball in Boston in the <laughs> in the last week of, of winter,
2: and for uh, uh, for just for Tennessee. Yeah, so they have just you just get swept at home by Georgia, and your next series is at Vanderbilt. Not, to, not, a time, not a not a good Not that there's any easy series, but that's probably not to, not not one you want to see on the schedule.
1: Hey, you know, last year Tennessee won that series with they Vanderbilt. Did. You know, that was a big deal. Dave to talked about. Yeah,
2: we kind of thought that was a breakthrough moment for them.
1: Right. So they they've lost uh, their first two series at Florida, swept at home by Georgia. Now they go on the road for back to back series, and there's no there's no relaxation in this league. We've talked about that a lot, but you know, three of their next four series are on the road. Yeah. So you're already under 500. It's just going to be very, very yeah, it's, difficult it's for them it's to tough dig to out. I
2: and mean, when you add in that they've already lost series to FIU and Irvine, I mean, that in the non-conference, it's I mean, it's the SEC, so you get plenty of opportunities to win quality series. But it's uh, it's tough to it's tough to map it out for them to get to have that get through to regionals this year. It is. It's very difficult to map it out. I think mean, that's uh, very well said. That's not what
1: um, Dave Serrano wants to hear. But I think he knows that. I think he knows how tough it is to to map that out. Uh, we should probably get uh, get close to wrapping up, guys. Uh, a couple other top twenty five changes. Uh, we brought in Oklahoma State. We probably already talked about Cal, but Oklahoma State's a team that was ranked in the top ten preseason. Really had a very shaky start of the year. Um, but for them, uh, you know, anything stand out to either you, you guys about uh, Oklahoma State, what they were able to accomplish this weekend and, and win that series against a, a TCU team that had played so well to to this point.
2: Well, I mean, they they've been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks, but this is a big step up in competition. I think right. they swept uh, what was it, Grand, Alcorn State and Grand Canyon. They'd kind of been beating up on, but now going to going to Fort Worth. I mean, that's a you know obviously TC is very good at home. They're suited to play in that ballpark with all their pitching and uh, you know, to beat. After uh, they lost to Morris, Preston Morrison on uh, Saturday, but to accept the win, yeah, no, no shame in that. And then to win the other two games, I mean, they you know get a complete game from uh, Michael Freeman. It was I believe yesterday and you know, in the, the game winning home run off Riley Farrell on on uh, Friday in extra innings. I mean that's that's gotta be this has gotta be a huge confidence boost. I mean coming into the year we kinda you know, we they've done it a little bit differently. I think uh some of the veteran pitchers they had coming into the year have been uh not quite lived up to it. That was kind of a big reason we kinda ran them up the rankings was all the guys they had back. Right. But uh yeah, I mean to, to go to Fort Worth and get a series win when you know to start off conference play when you figure that's probably the you know, the toughest series you'll have, you know, to, you know, to go out there, you know, to start it up and get to come out there with two wins. I mean, that's a, a great way to uh, get, get things started.
1: You know, last year, the thing for me with Oklahoma State that had me have them fourth out of the Big 12, the four big, uh, big 12 teams that we ranked in the beginning of the year was that, you know, Vance, Vince Whelan was their top winner last year out of the bullpen. They also lost, uh, but they lost Brendan McCurry with his 19 saves. Uh, they had some churn in, in, that, rota- in that pitching staff. And they also lost Zach Fish, who was their top home run guy. So you kind of looked at it and thought, okay, is this team going to have the same? You know, those guys were the key elements to their team last year. They lost—I'm uh, not sure how you pronounce his name—Kreidemeyer. I'm probably going to. Kreidemeyer. Kreidemeyer. Thank yeah. you. There you go. Uh, so they lost their two top home run guys, two uh, of their two of their top bullpen guys. So you're kind of wondering, is this team going to be able to overcome that? But so far, Michael Freeman's been kind of the the X factor. Here. This guy made one start all of last season. 6'8", junior college transfer from last season. Gets his feet wet last year. Now as a senior, and you know, he's just pounding the strikes on. Usually hard for a tall guy to do that. Guy has six walks and 39 innings this year. He's been their best starter. Um, it's impressive. You know, I think we all thought very highly of this coaching staff of Josh Holiday and company came in there and took over. Uh, they're kind of showing uh, what they're made of as a coaching staff this year. With you know, maybe, the, maybe that early season uh, soft schedule was somewhat by design. We certainly hit them hard for the losses to Oregon State, Arizona State, Auburn. Uh, they wound up uh, falling out of the rankings, but uh, and it's hard to climb back in. Yeah, you lost to Illinois. That was the kind of the last straw mm-hmm. for them, but hard to climb back in the rankings when you're playing Alcorn and Grand Canyon like they did last week. But uh, great weekend for them this weekend. Uh, I guess TCU
2: and, and, and Garrett Ger- Williams still hanging around there. Seventeen Ks in uh, eleven innings, just kind of. If he ever he strikes, get enough he strikes, to, strikes, from. Yeah, that's it.
1: I mean, the guy was a top hundred guy out of high school, uh, and the reason he didn't get drafted wasn't so much. I mean, he's academically oriented. He you know he did want. It. You know, he was serious about college because uh, I think he was a Vanderbilt commit originally who decommitted and wound up at Oklahoma State. I think mm-hmm. he followed Josh Holiday. Um but the other thing the reason he didn't get drafted it wasn't like oh the Oklahoma state commitment you can't take on Oklahoma state it wasn't that with scouts he just didn't throw strikes that year so um and he hasn't in college yeah, uh, yeah, but consistently but the arm has a chance to be special and I'm looking at the rest of their schedule guys they have to go to Texas tech but the rest of their road series uh they got the toughest one out of the way mm-hmm. at TCU they've got to go to Kansas in league play Texas tech and then they end the season at Michigan, which is not in league play. I think it's doable for Oklahoma State to keep on keeping on. Uh, so very uh, encouraging developments there. Um, last thing I'll ask you guys about, uh, I like talking about the Big Ten. Uh, we used to have two ranked teams from the Big Ten in Indiana and Illinois. Uh, we could have brought in Nebraska. Uh, they had a big weekend this week. What are they, 17-6 and six mm-hmm. for the and Cornhuskers? Haven't,
2: uh, yeah, haven't, haven't lost since uh, leaving the uh, Minute Maid. A lot of power
0: on that team.
1: Yeah, and some just uh, again the physicality and athleticism there. We did not drop Indiana, but I mean Indiana kind of a weird way to, for them to finish their weekend series. I think they had a seven nothing lead against Penn State and wound up losing that last game, thirteen to seven. And that's only Penn State's uh, I think second win of the year. At the same time, that team's uh, you know they played a tough schedule. Penn State has so I didn't. Really, count that too much against the Hoosiers. And then Maryland uh, had stumbled a little bit, Jim, but I know they're personal cheese ball of your team and they sweep uh, Minnesota. But I mean, it feels like the Big Ten, I'm not sure how the RPI is going to work out for them. But so far, we t- came into the year talking about the Big Ten as a potential three or four bid league. They're still kind of hanging around that. T- to me, they look like that kind of league.
2: I think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we liked uh, Maryland a lot coming into the year and they've. They haven't really they had that one uh, down weekend where they lost a series to uh, UNC Wilmington, which is really that's not a not a bad series at all to lose. I mean, it was on the road, and uh, other than that, they really haven't had any letdowns. I mean, they lost a game to UCF, I think it's the only uh, top twenty-five team they've played. So that's kind of the knock on them is they haven't really won a series against anyone uh, great so far. But um, yeah, I mean, they've been they've really they've been strong. I mean, they've, they're seventeen and four, and now they sweep Minnesota to start the year. And Mike schworn has been pitching well at the front of that rotation, and yeah, you know, Willy Rio has kinda of got roughed up this weekend, which was uh, a little a little surprising. I mean, it's a very talented freshman. They have right. kinda of moved into the weekend rotation that we we thought might happen at some point. He kinda of sees that role a little faster than we thought, maybe uh maybe maybe not for long, but uh right. um the Gophers got what, seven seven runs and two winnings against him, but uh Turp's able to come back and win that game. But uh Yeah, yeah finding I mean, some consistency yeah. it really
1: feels like in the weekend rotation like that's gonna that's be. That's kinda of, that
2: was kind of the, the obstacle coming yep. into the year is what, what they would do after Shore. and I mean, they, they had a very they had a veteran lineup. A lot of guys back, you know, with uh, also Brandon Lau's a, a real, um, you know, polished hitter at the the top of the lineup. Jose Quas has some some power. Sierra, Nick sierra has got some power. Um, you know, Kevin Martir, Anthony Papio, all those are guys that have been, been there. Um, but, yeah, the rotation was kind of a, uh, when you lose Jake Stannett, and I feel like even on Sundays last year, they were just kind of having to piece it together. Right. So it's still kind of... We'll see where that goes but uh, i mean i still believe in that team i think um i'm seeing who they get this jim, weekend just don't but, uh, stop believing jim no no i won't <laughs> i had to but, i
1: have to uh, throw that in there i don't even like journey but i had to throw that in there but, okay. uh, i'm
2: trying to see who they get uh who they've got coming up but um yeah i mean that's i, I expect they'll be back uh, at some point i mean that's that's a that's a quality club
1: yeah and i like their bullpen kevin mooney's mm-hmm. uh, the career saves leader there uh, for for the program at I, I like this league, Mike. I don't know if one of the teams there stands out for you in the, in the Big Ten
0: yet. Well, one thing I was going to say is uh, there's an intriguing midweek matchup this week as Indiana is going to take on Louisville. Um, right. Chris Lamonis against his, uh, his former partner in crime, uh, Dan McDonald. Right. Uh Which Absolutely. is going to be an interesting from, from that standpoint, from the narrative's standpoint, and then also from you know the standpoint that Louisville is obviously a very good team this year. So that should be a good test. For them, um,
1: and that's and that's been yeah. a consistent, uh, and that's how the Indiana mm-hmm. program got to know Chris Lamone as that, as a candidate is that right. playing the Louisville team consistently. Those have been good
2: postseason too. Yeah, those have been
1: good midweek matchups and a, a, a nice, um uh, oh, you know, midwestern Omaha, rivalry. Been, that yeah, that yeah. was they it. In Omaha, Omaha. Yeah. So I'm kind of uh, and speaking of that, if you're an Indiana fan listening, our next cover of our next uh, magazine will have uh, Kyle Schwarber on it, but not an Indiana two-time car. cover boy
2: now. Mm-hmm.
1: Second time, uh, hasn't even played a full season of professional baseball. Got a second cover, and, uh, and this time he's in a uniform, so he does not have, uh, he's not bearing his, uh, his arms and chest. That, that cover got a little bit mocked in the scouting community. Um, I'm not sure what they thought of this year's college preview cover, but uh, the Indiana one kind of got mocked for Schwarber and Travis kind of looking all puffed up, kind of a Hans and Franz kind of cover,
2: so wearing, I enjoyed it. They weren't wearing puffy shirts, though.
1: No, no puffy shirts and no uh, no gray sweatshirts. I kind of enjoyed it, though. But uh, I, we also have a question. We have a uh, we had an email to podcast at baseballamerica.com. I'm going to run this by you um, from Paul Norwine, college baseball fan, uh, who's located in northwest Indiana. So first, uh, Paul, even though you're a Purdue season ticket holder, which, good on you. That's fantastic. Now, this is my first email ever from a Purdue season ticket holder, an admitted Purdue season ticket holder. Um and so Iowa and Maryland come to West Lafayette, um, which but those teams, we just talked about Maryland. Iowa's got some intriguing talent over there as well, so that's one uh, you definitely want to watch. He went over and saw Kyle Cody against uh, Moonlight Tatum on Sunday uh, down in Kentucky, uh, Kentucky and Mississippi State. Uh, and So that was one of his questions, what we thought of those two pitchers. Kyle Cody's off to an eh start. It really hasn't blown people's door, doors off, and Moonlight Tatum just kind of I know you talked to uh, the coaching staff Thompson, down at Mississippi yeah. State about him, Butch Thompson, his pitching coach. It feels like Moonlight and that whole team at Mississippi State have backed up a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, do we think that uh, that maybe the SEC is a little bit overrated, or do we feel like it's more that uh, you know, he saw Arizona State early in the year, that, that Arizona State was further ahead of those teams? I think, first of all, Arizona State's further ahead because they're in Arizona. Yeah. They should be further ahead because of the weather um, they're just better, I would say, than Kentucky and, uh, Mississippi State. I mean, I, I think that they've shown that to this point. Um, I don't know if you think, uh, do you guys think the SEC, I don't feel like the SEC's overrated so much as that, like we've said earlier, it's really more of the SEC's pretty top-heavy, yeah. and the bottom teams in the SEC are going to be competitive, but I do feel that, I feel like there's some pretty decent separation between the top four team in the SEC, maybe South Carolina has a chance to be that fifth team, we certainly have them there now, mm. but then the rest of the pack, I think there's a little bit of a gap, uh, I don't know if you wanted to react to any of that, Jim, uh, and then uh, talk a little bit about uh, what Iowa and Maryland have coming to West Lafayette for for Paul, our Purdue season ticket holder.
2: Yeah, it does feel like the SEC is a bit, uh, a bit, there's a bit top heavy. I mean, you know, you got those top four teams plus South Carolina is kind of you know, no, no really. We've talked about. I'm not sure what to make of them at this point. But right. then after that, I mean, Mississippi State. We've talked about them. They've dropped off. You know, Alabama is a team we liked, and they've. Uh, You know, they've lost the series to Houston, now they lose to, um, A&M, so no shame in that, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where they end up, um, and there's not, I mean, Auburn's got young talent, but they haven't put it all together yet, they were a base hit away from winning that series this weekend against Vandy in the, uh, the, uh, final, the last game, but, um, where they stranded the bases loaded in the ninth inning, but, uh, yeah, I mean after that, I mean Arkansas, you still kind of want to give the the benefit of the doubt because they're always there. But I mean they've but not yet they have not they're, proven it. They have not proven it. They're not um, there
1: yet, Jim. Uh, yeah. Eleven and eleven, and it's kind of getting down to time where you kind of wonder, yeah, which is what, what what are they? You know, what's their identity?
2: And obviously, obviously Tennessee has been a disappointment. Um, Georgia's not. Uh, we kind of thought Georgia might take a step forward this year. They've kind of struggled a little. They did win that series against Florida State, obviously, which is a big uh, moment for them. Now they've kind of seems like they've kind of backed up a little bit um other than that i mean it's you know missouri is kind of on the way up but we'll see where uh i think we had in the projection last week we had 10 sec teams in if i remember right i think that's right because we gave (laughs) uh, (laughs) they kind of gave arkansas the benefit of the doubt but the next time we do one of those it'll probably be uh they haven't they haven't beaten somebody by then they probably will not be in because i think their rpi was definitely was not very high but um well, I'll, I'll, then, I'll
1: jump in on the on the Purdue part. I, I will say I would definitely go see. Uh, you definitely want to go see Maryland. Uh, Maryland went to Super Regionals last year. They were our highest ranked Big Ten team coming into the year. We like their talent. We talked a little bit about them. Um, Iowa's was interesting, and I don't know that we're ever going to. You know, again, we're talking about potentially four Big Ten teams coming into the going, being regional teams. I didn't even mention Iowa or Michigan. Michigan had two preseason All Americans. Here's Iowa with you know some actual pitching talent. Uh, Calvin Matthews is off the great start for them. He's an Iowa kid. Obviously, the whole uh, state of baseball in the Hawkeye State has gotten a lot better because uh, I think you have to give Perfect Game a ton of the credit there. Um, you know they just made they are the baseball culture on the amateur side in the state of Iowa. But between Calvin Matthews, Tyler Payton, and Blake Hickman. You know, Iowa's got three juniors that they really like in their weekend rotation. They've pitched very consistently so far. Blake Hickman's probably been their worst starter today because he hasn't found the strike zone. He's a converted catcher uh, in our top 100 college prospects. So, you know, potential first five rounds draft pick. So, this has been a pretty good start to this. Uh, I think Iowa expected that this would be one of their best teams. So far, it has been, uh, and I think it's built around their starting pitching. And it's a
2: veteran lineup, too. It me.
1: is, but but Rick Heller, I, you know, to me, he's done tremendous work. He was he made Northern Iowa competitive, did a great job in that program, got shut down, went to Indiana State. Uh, now he's in his second year at Iowa. This guy knows the baseball culture in that state, and uh, it's starting to show uh, with Iowa's uh, team. And, again, this is also a state that's got uh, – well, Iowa Western's won, what, three of the last five junior college championships. Uh, you had nobody from the northern half of the country who'd ever won the NJCAA championship out in Grand Junction. And I think Iowa Western's done it three times in the last five years. So, you know, amateur baseball in the state of Iowa is on the come, and it's it's trickling up, really, from the ground, from the from the high school players from the state of Iowa who made the big leagues, like Ryan Sweeney and Jeff Clement. Uh, Matt McCree, I think, was briefly a big leaguer. I'm showing my age by naming all these guys from last century in high school baseball, like 2000, 2001 draftees. But it's trickling up from that level to the junior college level, now finally up to the D1 level. So um, I would definitely go see that Iowa team and compare them, uh, Paul, to the rest of these teams that you've seen. So nice question from Paul Norwin, and uh, kudos for being a Purdue season ticket holder and listening to the podcast. I definitely appreciate that. Any other teams or uh, or, – Facts from this week's uh, top twenty-five. You guys wanted to point out, uh, and where would, might you guys be going this week, uh, Jim? Mike, you got any plans already for this week?
0: Uh, I was looking at staying local for uh, Miami's coming to town against Carolina, which just you know, won a series against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm, uh, you're,
1: yeah. uh, you know, where you're, you're, you're a Winston Salem product, so they were, yeah, they were in your home neck of the woods, uh, and again, a series win for Miami. Yeah. They've been pretty robust offensively themselves so far this year, uh, mm-hmm. with the exception of that Florida series, really, right. So they're coming to North Carolina. I think we had uh, another. Uh, I forget who else was at home. But Jim, are you going to be around here this weekend? Or I expect so. Yeah, I'll
2: probably go check out that series as well. I think. Uh, forget what the other uh, series around here are. I think uh, NC State is at, at home also, but I'll probably get <laughs> at least a couple a couple games out in Chapel Hill. Well, that's uh, gonna be an interesting series. I'm going to see uh, see what see what see if David Thompson can keep it going. He's been uh, He's just killing the ball lately, so and uh, that really, should be interesting. And I mean, you know, we probably would have. And you know, we talked about bringing uh, UNC into the rankings this week if they hadn't lost to uh, Davidson, which was right. kind of a crazy ending to that game that uh, Mike caught there. But uh, you know they obviously they get, they're coming off a series of win at Georgia Tech, which felt kind of like a bit of a bit of a circle of the wagons weekend for them to go down there and win, where well, that was a place where they have not uh, had much success historically. So, um, that so was we'll big. see where they, where they come back and see if they can keep it uh, keep it going.
1: That was definitely big for. Uh, uh, that was big if true for North Carolina to win that series on the road and. Uh, One of the better, uh, I love seeing all the college baseball highlights. They don't all have to be vines, Mike. You don't get all of them. But the one from the Georgia Tech of Connor Justice, hashtag Mm -hmm. personal cheeseball, going in the hole, making the jump throw. Mm -hmm. I I do think he eventually is a separating factor for Georgia Tech. Their infield defense is outstanding. But I'll actually be uh, heading to Florida this weekend for some spring training, uh, going to a couple of Nationals games with my brother uh, down on Vieira. And now I'm seeing that uh, the Gators are home. Wrap up their series Saturday. I have tickets Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. in Vieira, but I don't have anything to do Saturday. Saturday at one o'clock, maybe mm-hmm. I'll go check out the Gators against Alabama. Mm-hmm. See a little Mikey White, little Richie Martin, little shortstop Ted tete. That could be fun. <laughs> That'd be fun. So, I mean, I've seen one g- college game in the state of North Carolina. Why I want to add one to my one in Arizona and add one in the state of Florida uh, to wrap things up, but and uh, I, I, that could be a show. We have one late question. I'll throw at you guys on Twitter from James Gilliam. Do we think South Carolina needs to change closers because Tyler Widener hasn't gotten it done in conference play? That's not an easy call, I don't think, to just up and change closers like that. I will say it does look like South Carolina has depth guys and they have some options they could go to. Vince Fiore has been outstanding for them kind of in a setup role in in their relief, but it's hard to. I think it's hard to change roles. Uh, If you're going to do it now, it's the time because you. You do have uh you have a few weeks under your belt. Uh, I don't feel like Widener is the reason that they haven't uh you know, gotten it done, but they, they did get some good innings this weekend out of Brandon Murray, the freshman out of the state of Indiana's got a good arm, good body. To me, Murray, Fiore, they have some options guys. I don't know if you guys have seen enough of South Carolina to really uh, make that guess you saw them in the wrap up against uh, clemson uh, micah i, I did. Uh, what would you think did you see to see widener and what's kind of
0: your sense of the gamecocks bullpen at this at this stage i I didn't see widener um i did I did see fiore and he did pitch well uh the pitcher that stood out to me the most, but now he's now he's starting for them it was Clark Schmidt right out of the bullpen.
1: Um, and they've already they've already upped his role they yeah, saw their coaching staff yeah. agreed with you and
0: <laughs> yeah. thought, you know let's move this guy into the rotation I, th- I thought stuff wise he could have been you know a leading reliever, reliever or a starter um, mm-hmm. you know if, if you, are, you can maybe fill that role possibly but uh, you know I don't know it, 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 it's tough it's tough I don't know if you it, it's still early in conference play. I don't know if you move widener off of that yet. Um, and and Cody,
1: they, Cody Mincy was a guy who was important to them last year, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, they, 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 he took a loss this week in the midweek. Um, you know, He hasn't pitched well so far, so that's another guy who you can tell they, they wanted to have in the mix. Mm-hmm. And then Destino was a preseason all, uh, third-team All-American for us as a two-way player, was much uh, more buzz about him draft-wise at a high school on the mound, and he's made one appearance this year so far. Yeah. I don't see them giving him an expanded pitching role, considering that he's, as we mentioned, one for seventeen mm-hmm. uh, at the plate and two SEC series. I'm not sure if he, is there anybody else you want to throw into this mix, Jim? Because it seems like they have some options, but it's gonna they take they're gonna be mm-hmm. taking from their strong middle relief uh, core yeah. if they mm-hmm. if they move widen around to that closer role.
0: And the, and the thing too with with Fiore is he's kind of a pitchability lefty mid 80s kind of guy with a you know a curve but you know probably a guy you want to pick your spots with more you know yeah. lefty on left matchups versus having him be your, your everyday closer. guy yeah yeah I mean and, I mean
2: Wade Widener hasn't been terrible I mean he's got 21 strikeouts in 13 innings I mean he's probably got the might have the best arm of that of that of the guys they're uh, considering there I mean I'll say Murray's got you know a power arm, but he's a freshman I don't know if you want to you know, slide it, slide. Just you know, move a, a veteran guy out there to put in, um, put in a freshman, even if he's been, you know, through very well this weekend. But uh and it, and
1: it was more like an extended, like yeah. five inning relief thing, as opposed to uh, one inning, come out there and, and blow somebody away, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, appearance. And
2: yeah, and getting Mincy going would be huge. I know he was a guy they were counting on a lot last year and coming into this year. So that's is another you know, like kind of like we're saying with the offense, they're waiting some guys like you know Schrock and some of those guys to get going. They need to. And when he's a the guy they would like to get, get more out of. Um, but,
1: Jam- but James which- Gilliams, our question asker, and mm-hmm. I think James is, I understand why James is looking for a change because mm-hmm. I'm just looking at Widener's numbers in league play, and he's <laughs> he's given up 15 base runners and he's gotten 16 outs. Mm-hmm. That's untenable for your closer to have that kind of a, a ratio. So I understand why there's impatience there from the fans. And then Manny Passaru will wrap with this. Man, he's a uh, longtime uh, listener, first-time caller, I believe. Hello, uh, <laughs> first time I got—I I know how to pronounce his name because I tweeted at him and asked him. Um, but Ole Miss—we mentioned Ole Miss—took two or three from his Gators at the number one strength of schedule. How close were they to top twenty-five? Because I mean, like, it, it's hard—it was hard—it would have been hard to bring in a uh, thirteen and ten team this week. But uh, it does feel like Ole Miss—they uh, have played the strongest schedule. It feels like. Uh, a sweep and a 16-10 and 10 record would put them, if they're 16-10, 17-10 next week, they'd be on the cusp of getting into the rankings, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, they haven't
2: had, and they really haven't given themselves any breaks. I mean, they've played a couple of good mid-majors at the start of the year in uh, Wright State and, and William & Mary. They played at UCF. They've been at LSU. Now they... At uh, Louisville in the middle at, of the week. Yeah, at Louisville midweek. And, um, yeah, I mean, other than, like I guess that one series with Stetson, but other than that, I mean, that's, they've been playing somebody tough every weekend, and... Now, they go to Arkansas. It should be a desperate Arkansas team they're facing this weekend. So, if they win that series, that's going to be a, you know, they'll, they'll I mean, we'll see if there's space for them, but they definitely would have a good, a strong case.
1: Feels like it's, uh, again, it's very difficult. Every weekend in the SEC is tough, but the next two weekends, they're playing the teams that we just talked about how have the worst overall record in the mm-hmm. league. And those teams are combined 20 and 22 in Arkansas and Ole Miss. So, uh, I man, not Ole Miss, Tennessee. Tennessee so, yeah. Ole Miss is going to Arkansas, home to Tennessee. Kind of feels like if they're not ranked after these, that's it. If they're not tied after those two weeks, they're not in the top twenty-five. They're not going to be ranked probably for a while because you expect them to try to get well against those teams, and they have to go after that at Vanderbilt and then at Auburn. That's going to be a little bit tougher when you go at at Vanderbilt in there. So for me, uh, Manny, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I think we're impressed with Ole Miss. They're on the cusp of the top twenty-five, and uh, lots of good questions. We had good questions this week at the podcast at baseballamerica.com is the email address. If you want to be a little bit more newfangled, like Murray and uh, and uh, James Gilliam were, you can tweet at us. I'm at John Manuel Ba. Jim is at, at Jim Shonner Ba. Mike is at M one end, then two ends, yes, three total. Uh, N's. At M <laughs> And if you if, if you haven't already joined Vine, you can just do that. Down, put that app on your phone just just for Mike's Vine game. It, it remains strong. So Jim and I <laughs> yeah. have something to learn there on the on our Vine game. So. For those guys, I'm this guy. We'll see you on the next week. Baseball America Podcast brought to you by Louisville Slugger. Until then, so long, everybody.